0: Hello, and welcome to episode 143 of the Waters Wavelength podcast. I am Anthony Malakian, and I'm joined by James Rundle. Hello. So today we have a good guest on for you guys, Um, Rick Lane, the CEO of Trading Technologies. He flew in from Chicago. Um, In September, they announced that they're going to be sunsetting the XTrader platform over the course of the next year or so, and and going solely with their uh, software service SaaS based um, platform, the TT platform. And so, just wanted to kind of talk to him about some of the highs, the lows, the challenges of doing kind of this this hard shift in company focus, and so a lot of good anecdotes in there um, and a, kind of, a lot of good lessons learned there, I thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, this has been a few years in the making, right? Um, and during the interview, which you'll hear in a few minutes, yeah. uh, I think you said you first started talking about it in 2014? Yeah, so yeah, and,
0: so they, uh, it was, it, and they, re- they started ter- talking about it internally in 2012, mm-hmm. uh, right as he kind of took over as CE, or soon after, you know, and I think that they put the plans in motion before he even took over as CEO, but then yeah. yeah. Um, and then 2014 was when they first actually came out and said, this is what we're gonna be doing. Yeah.
1: So <clears throat> it's a really interesting interview anyway. We sort of go into that. We talk a bit about some sort of crypto as well. Yep, um, yep. And I guess at the end, sort of, you know, um, Chicago's kind of new role, I yeah. guess, which is an interesting kind of topic here, I think. Yeah, something so. you've been interested in for a long time. It's a story I've wanted to see for ages, man. So, yeah, listen, anybody, if you're listening from Chicago, you've got some thoughts on that, feel free to get in touch. Yeah, so, uh, that'll be yeah. toward
0: the end of the, of the interview, and we'll um, uh, tag all that so you guys can mm-hmm. see uh, um, where these conversations happen. Anyway, um, before we get into any of that... Right now, out in Sydney, Australia, our Asia editor, Wei Shen Wang, is out there covering the Cybos event. Yep. And um, you went last year to the Toronto event, James, and just some of the coverage that you've seen come out uh, from what Wei Shen's been writing about. Do you kind of see any overlaps there with uh, with what the conversation was in 2017 compared to what we're talking about here in 2018?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Cybos is kind of a weird beast. So I. I've done several now. Um, obviously, to Toronto last year. I did Dubai. Did another couple ones as well. And it's funny how the kind of the tenor of the conversations changed over those years. I mean, the one in Dubai was very much about sort of um, banks talking about how they're going to align their technology and revamp for the future. And then fintech came along, uh, yeah. and then the conversation came all about disruption. Last year in Toronto, um, and I wrote a piece about this. Um, was very much about what I like to call the death of fintech uh, as a disruptor. Mm. Uh, The idea being that from the conversations I had and from the panel discussions I saw and just the way people were interacting with each other, um, fintech wasn't necessarily being regarded as a disruptive competitive force, I guess, anymore. It was more kind of like... um, It's just the way it is kind of a thing. Yeah, like an augmentative kind of force, I guess, really. Um, Rather than thinking, oh, Jesus, you know, this is going to come in and get rid of the DTCC. Actually, you know, the DTCC has become a fintech firm in itself. Yeah. Um, and I think this year, looking at Wei Shen's coverage and, and just looking at some of the conversations that have been taking place there and speaking to a few people who have actually been at the conference as well, that's very much the case. Like FinTech is now 100% institutionalized. Um, Cybos, I think, is a very good bellwether for that, um, just in terms of what it is, in terms of being a not just a capital markets conference, but also a payments conference, trade yeah. finance, and everything else. Um, so yeah, I think what we're seeing now is kind of, We've gone through the first wave of fintech. Really, um, it's now been absorbed into, and it's just finance technology now. Yeah, you know, it's not necessarily this big. Kind it's of, back to being finance technology. Instead of being, it, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. a startup term. <laughs> and uh, you know, we've been around for 25 years, so yeah. I guess some uh, some waters veterans would argue it's not even the first phase that's been going on for yeah. years, right? So, exactly. um, but yeah, I think that's kind of the read I've got. And speaking to Wei Shen, I think she agrees as well. Yeah, so. and
0: so she's going to have a lot of coverage. So on um, on the website, we have a post up that then. We'll direct you to all of our coverage. That'll be above the fold um, for the next week or so. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, so all of our coverage based off of Cybo stuff, we have one spot on watertechnology.com that you can go find it, and obviously we'll link to it in uh, the story that appears with this podcast. Um, The other thing, I guess, for us to talk about before we get to uh, Rick Lane is on uh, Tuesday morning I handed James a nice
1: (laughs) 6,000-word Uh, feature on the alternative data marketplace. Uh, so you're welcome, James. Thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah. You know, I think I regard myself as a pretty quick editor most of the time. Yeah. This has literally taken me since Tuesday to well, get three quarters of the way through. You know, I was.
0: I was reading this uh, profile of uh, Robert Caro, who wrote um, uh, the Power Broker yeah. and uh, this five volume series on L- uh, Lyndon Johnson. And uh, yeah, so I was just kind of inspired by it. You know, it's just I was like, you know what? I'm gonna write a miniature version of uh, you know Robert Carroll on the alternative data space. That's what we're gonna go for here.
1: You know what? We don't ask him to do this. He just goes out and yeah. thinks. I'm gonna interview 24 people yeah. about this thing, and I'm really gonna mess up my list this week. Yeah. Um, so, okay. so hopefully <laughs> you
0: read it. You know, just I guess maybe give you some the the listener some background on it. Again, 6,000 words. The gist of it is, and what I think is most interesting in the alternative data space is, we're seeing the sell side trying to figure out how are they going to get involved, yeah. either through selling their own internal data, or are they going to try and become a consultant to the alternative data space, a marketplace to the alternative data space? What are the, how are they going to get their kind of pound of flesh yeah, exactly. um, from 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 this you know new movement, I guess? And this article, an exhaustive detail, I hope, uh, aims to explain why that's going to be very difficult for them and why competing with the folks that are already into space these both massive um, technology companies like Bloomberg and Faxet to you know your smaller specialized companies like Seven uh, data, um, uh, Orbital Insight M um, science stuff like that yeah. um, they face a real uphill battle and so th- this was just a really kind of hammer home. The, the the road that's going to be ahead for many of these firms and why they're, they're why many many people think it's going to lead to disillusionment and abandonment at some point.
1: And listen, like I mean, I don't know a lot of you guys who listen to this podcast um, have spoken to me about this in the past about. Um you know how you go to conferences and the panels are on alt data and you get really excited about it. And by the end of that 45 minutes, you're thinking, oh, Jesus, I already knew all that stuff. Mm-hmm. This is just a 101. I know what alt data is. I want some meat on like who the guys are, who the players are. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? How is it delineated? This is 100% your Bible. Um, yeah. This is why you subscribe to Waters Technology, essentially. This is front to back the comprehensive look at alternative data as it exists right now. Um, and frankly, if you're Thank in the you, space, James. you need to read it.
0: Yeah, so. no, and uh, yeah, you know, on Waters we always try and write, we know we're not always going to be the first one on a lot of stories, like, you know, we're not necessarily in the breaking news business, we're in the deep analysis business, and when we write a feature we really want, we aim to write kind of the definitive piece. Yeah for that moment in time on a subject. So hopefully uh, you guys can uh, check this out and read it and uh, we'll find some value in it. And if you do read it, have some thoughts, think, you know, or just something to add or whatever, please reach out to me. I'm always interested to hear feedback from uh, the readers. Sure. Yeah. Um, All right. So enough about us. Um, We have Rick Lane next, the CEO of Trading Technologies. And again, we're going to talk about crypto, about a move to a SaaS-based platform, Uh, Really interesting stuff, Um, so yeah, uh, we'll kick it over to Rick, and we will see you all here next week. Cheers, guys. Okay, so now joining us is Rick Lane, the CEO of Trading Technologies. Rick, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Came in from Chicago, you all week, or?
2: Uh, In just, no, just for a little bit today, actually. Just Just, just to be with us. (laughs) That's right. That's That's
0: right. That's great. Um, Thought it'd be fun to have you on. Um, at the beginning of September, at the beginning of September you wrote a uh, blog post announcing that some point within the next year or so, you'll be looking to sunset the, mm. you know, the, the flagship product Correct. Xtrader. Um, and we thought it might be really interesting for people to hear about some of the challenges that arose as you moved from this you know, hard install monolith platform right. toward a uh, software as a service mm-hmm. based you know, um, uh, a model. Uh, delivery system so you know just give a little bit of context Mm -hmm. uh back in 2014 i got to write the original piece detailing this move to what was then known as next trader Mm -hmm. right was the the original name of it uh before it became the tt platform and and basically what what i remember when we spoke was Mm -hmm. you had envisioned that in late 2015 2016 that would be the time to sunset x trader (coughs) Obviously, it took a, a lot longer than that. And I remember at FIA Boca in 2017, we spoke, and you said that it was about 10% adoption mm-hmm. by that point, but that within the last six months, it had gone from 1% to 10%. That's and right. that's where you we were kind of starting <clears throat> to finally see that that Im, that inflection point. So, maybe just to start, What were some of those early lessons about, you know, kind of just going about this and getting people to follow you on to what was going to be a necessary step for the company? Right.
2: Yeah. So keep in mind, so we spoke, um, you said 2014. Uh, We really in 2012 is when we initially said, this is a bet we're going to make. Um, This was a time when every tier one client of ours told us not only are they not using the cloud, but they won't touch anything that we build that touches the cloud. Um, and, and uh, around that same time, conversations with our prop trading community, you know, the ones that, that really pushed that 1% use case of, you know, 16 monitors on a single PC, the ones that TT has sort of made a name for uh, ourselves by, by servicing and, and meeting those needs, they were saying things like, we'll never use HTML5 as, as a trading system. You know, what 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 I do couldn't possibly be, be accomplished on the web platform. And so we were kind of taking, uh, you know, Sort of the you know almost I don't know if you know anything about the innovator's dilemma. It it was we were sort of looking through this problem through that lens, which was to say that no one was really asking TT in 2012 to change. Um, Much like much like you know many incumbent technology firms uh, throughout really the history of of technology and innovation, um, many firms that have just done everything right have still spectacularly failed for one reason or another, And, and oftentimes that's because. Uh, large, incumbent, older technology firms who have a very high-value, highly sophisticated client base um, are unable to look at new incoming technologies because those new incoming technologies can't possibly meet the needs uh, of their incumbent user base. And and, and their clients aren't asking them to, to explore those new technologies, much like TT's client base in 2012 wasn't asking us to look at things like software-as-a-service and HTML5. But nevertheless as those new incoming technologies grow in sophistication and and start to be able to solve the same needs that the incumbent technology uh, needs, Uh, you know, the incumbent technologies, the ones that have been around for 25 years, find themselves five years behind the curve on adopting and really learning what it is about those. And so what we tried to do in 2012 and and the bet we made and what what we were sort of forecasting was that software as a service, that model, uh, cloud technologies, that that sort of techno- technological foundation, and then HTML5 on the front end. That the combination of those would disrupt this industry, uh, the same way it's disrupted so many others. And every tier one client of ours, as I said, was saying we wouldn't use this. Every every end user was saying we wouldn't use this. But nevertheless, we were we were willing to place a bet that the Googles of the world, the Amazons of the world, the, the, those those firms that had a lot to lose if their Idea that every client facing technology platform, you know, 10 years from now would not be delivered on the web. Mm Um, we were we were trusting that they were going to continue to invest in these stacks, and, and and that by the time we were able to wrangle these technologies uh, and and build something that could really sophistic build a really sophisticated system that could replace X trader, that market acceptance and adoption of these technologies would would also come around. And you mentioned that that my forecast was off by a couple of years. I think that's probably a little bit of both both. Um, us being able to pull off those extreme 16 monitor workspaces, um, right. and, and but also market acceptance and an appetite to adopt technologies like the cloud. Um, I think those both probably were, were a year and a half or two years, uh, took a little bit longer than we expected. Um, but... As you mentioned, we announced the sunset uh, a few weeks ago, and and really that's the culmination of a couple of things. But I think the biggest thing is that we're now closer to forty percent of our user base has migrated. But I think more than that, what we're starting to see is not only not only is every tier one bank that's a client of ours um, embracing what we've built, but they're also in in most cases really going all in on the cloud themselves, even for other parts of their of their workflow and their business. Um, the, the, the most sophisticated trading firms, the ones that are the most latency sensitive, the ones that have the most extreme use cases on the front end in terms of the number of monitors, in terms of the number of products that they're subscribing to, and that sort of thing, they're able to use the same technology. And so uh, it, it's, it's, I think, really telling and vindication for that bet we made. I mean, I think it was a pretty scary bet back yep. in 2012. Um, well, you
0: had just taken over as CEO, you were a CFO? C- CTO. Yep. CTO yep. at that point, okay.
2: So I came back to the firm in 2012 to really kick this project off, and and much like um, uh, Clayton Christensen, by the way, is the one who, who sort of authored The Innovator's Dilemma, much as he... He describes ways that companies can try to avoid being disrupted like that. And one of the approaches that he that he says is often successful is spinning out a either a separate company or, or a skunkworks team within a company. And that's what I came back in 2012 to do was to build a small team who wasn't shackled with the constraints and the legacy processes and the legacy systems. And frankly, the legacy customer base uh, that was driving TT, we could operate freely and iterate quickly and figure out what worked figure out what didn't work and and really try to build a business that was altogether separate from the the business TT built and and throughout over the years and when, when you and I crossed paths first we were still trying to cultivate that user base for whom these early iterations of the technology could really meet their needs and exceed their needs but we always knew at some point that would that would surpass and eclipse what what Xtrader or our legacy yeah. platform could do um, but but it's 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 I think important to to also realize that not only are we do we think we've built a a sufficient replacement for X Trader, but now firms are really looking to us to solve other parts of the trade workflow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe the the biggest evidence that what we've done is, you know th- those bets that we made are starting to pay off. And and you know, we, we mentioned TTOMS, um, uh, just just last week. And I think that's evidence that now not only are they accepting of the cloud but they're looking at what we've built and believing that this can be applied to other parts of their business and and be transformative to those parts as well
0: and just one other thing i'd be interested just to hear about was because you guys have had acquisitions before norensic i know Mm -hmm. for for specific kind of tools functionality you you haven't been shy about going down that path Mm -hmm. back then was it just that if you're going to build something it's going to be the flagship kind of the trading platform that that Buying wasn't going to be you know or, or trying to buy s- hodgepodge solutions that would fit into kind of what would be X trader and build off of that 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 was just not good you had to kind of start from scratch.
2: So um, great question. Uh, this all this whole Absolutely story. Great question. <laughs> this whole story really started in 2010 when a company I co founded Ticket Trading Systems was acquired by TT and and I I had built um, a platform called the Algo Design Lab. Which was a, uh, and still is a visual programming platform essentially for building uh, trading algos without having to code. Um, that was a pretty eye opening experience. I spent about two and a half years at TT d- integrating that. It probably should have taken two to six months tops to integrate. Um, and, and I think that was largely because that same technology platform you just spoke of, XTrader, you know, it, it was industry leading in terms of stability, in terms of integrity, in terms of uptime, in terms of feature set. Um, but it was also 20 plus years old. And anytime you have a, a code base that grows um, in age but also in size with that many contributors to it, it, it starts to become difficult to be agile and be nimble and, and, and make wholesale changes. And so um, I on, when I left TT on my way out, I I, you know, I was I was really just complaining. I didn't have an answer. I didn't have a solution, but I, but I said, look, if 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 you don't want to become the next Blackberry, BlackBerry hadn't fallen yet at that point. So, so I didn't actually say this. Otherwise, I'd be, I'd be pretty uh, insightful. But, but I was essentially saying, look, if you don't want to become the next BlackBerry, no one's asking you to change right now. But but believe me, the, the industry is moving far faster than we can keep up uh, on this technology platform. So something has to change. And so I left, um, and but kept a pretty good dialogue with the folks back at TT while I was gone. I was actually here in New York uh, for a little bit less than a year. Um, and, and I think the seed I planted probably took hold during that time, and they brought me back in 2012 to really kick this thing off. But to your, to your question, and Norensic I think is a really good example of that. So no, we probably wouldn't have acquired a platform like uh, the SCORE platform from Norensic um, on Xtrader just because it was very difficult to, to make those types of integrations and mm-hmm. to do it right. I mean, we could we could duct tape things like that together. But I think it really underscores the power and and the value of a platform like the TT platform, and why something like Norensic and Score really stand out. and And, and we're always looking for opportunities to to both build and and buy things that fit this category, which is. We've been collecting uh, transactional data for our clients uh, f- since the day one of this of the TT platform, and so there are some some firms who have potentially billions of transactions um, that they have access to. Uh, whether they're an individual trader or a large trading firm or a large FCM, uh, the, this is data that is at their fingertips. They can they can mine this data, they can query this data, they can uh, look look into this data to determine what was this algo doing a year ago on the same day and how did it behave you know we don't really care what they do with that data but it's it's theirs and 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 it's it's available to them in a way that's very consumable and that's really interesting because we've taken something that is historically been a a real liability to these firms. You know, they have to keep it around for seven years, and if, a, if if a regulator knocks on their door and says, "Hey, I need to see what James was trading, what he was doing between seven and eight a.m. You know, two and a half years ago," that's a that's a really big problem that that these firms have to be able to to keep up with. Now that same data, you can you can answer that question in a couple seconds. Um, but, but nevertheless, we it, it, all we've really been doing is collecting that data and making it available to our clients. But now taking something like uh, the SCORE platform and bolting that on to something like the TT platform now allows you to take that data and really add compelling value to it. So not only can you go retrieve that data from two and a half years ago, but you can say, I want to run a SCORE report. I want to see what my trading firm or my FCM, what our, if our trading behavior on any given day since the very first day I started using this platform um, could potentially draw red flags from a regulator. I want to take an algo that I'm designing, and I want to run it through a simulator, and have that data run through something like Score to see if perhaps my algo is doing something that could draw uh, regulator scrutiny. Um, And it's really taking these these technologies that in and of themselves are really compelling. Score does some really amazing stuff that, frankly, I don't haven't been able to wrap my head around some of the machine learning model that, that that really makes it tick. But but in conjunction, in concert with each other, having that 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 trivial access to data um, really makes something like SCORE shine. And, and I think we and our customer base are really just now still wrapping our heads around what that means. And I think bringing it back to TTOMS for a second, not o- look, we're, we, we think we can innovate in the OMS space. Not only do we think we can have a, a single uh, vertical integrated platform, single screen that that both manages execution and, and order management at global scale, but now think about a proper OMS that's bringing in trade flow not just from TT but for, from other platforms from other proprietary systems and having being able to marry all of that data against something like score which comes for free out of the box um, if you're if you're leveraging uh, TT for OMS I, I think it's it's really putting these pieces together is where the the value of the system uh, starts to shine
1: yeah, think, and that's an interesting point just so just trying to draw a line between what we're talking about and kind of what's going ahead um, you know before you were worried about technology and having the client base be ready to accept what you wanted to develop and that was obviously a problem, a mm-hmm. problem as you said um, now the client base is accepting the technology and you know, your kind of traditional heartland in, in futures execution fairly sophisticated right? I mean like OEMS systems are all pretty up to speed, you guys now solve the problem of having an integrated OEMS system mm-hmm. is the information part really the next stage of evolution in this space and in terms of kind of where you're going to I guess kind of go as a company, as TT's kind of vision from here, not just providing the software to execute, but mm-hmm. also the underlying information about the information going through. Is
2: that kind of- I, I think it probably is, and, and and look, I don't think we have all the answers in, in, in so far as how that information will be best utilized by our clients. Yeah. Um, our goal, at least right now, is to put that information at their fingertips in a way that they've never had it before, to take something, as I said, that used to be a liability and really make it an asset for their business. And occasionally we will innovate and, and build and buy systems like SCORE that really let them extract value out of that on, on day one without really doing anything. But it, it, I think we all recognize, certainly TT does, and, and I think so do our clients, who are themselves, I think, struggling to keep up with this amount of data and storing it and retrieving it and managing it in a way that allows them to not just stay compliant, but also hopefully um uh transform their business and and if they're a trading firm to potentially generate alpha and and to really start to to inform new trade ideas um our goal at least right now is to make that data available to them and and uh, I, I do think uh, as the platform evolves and now that now that we've spent the last 5 years essentially building a sufficient replacement to xtrader now i think the fun begins and 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 i think that that sentiment is echoed within tt because we've that's not to say that real innovation hasn't been required to make this happen, and it hasn't. In fact, I think we're all kind of shocked that we're able to pull off some of the things we are on the web platform with a, with a software-as-a-service delivery uh, platform like this. Um, but now I think everyone's ready to start building new and, and really start taking some of these foundational building blocks on which this platform sits um, and and helping our clients to innovate as well.
1: And all of this kind of ties in, I think, back to what you were saying in March about the future direction of TT, right? So I think at the time you said you were moving away from being a screen-based company Mm -hmm. into being something a lot more in terms of providing infrastructure in terms of everything else. And can you maybe talk a little bit about kind of what you've done with TTMS and how that provides a foundation for moving forward?
2: Yeah, and look, I I think TTMS really is... um, the first evidence that tt is is not just willing to but but eager to become more than just a screen company i i I think our our brand will always be driven by our screens and 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 there's still a lot of pride that that we take in innovating in those workflows and i think i think uh despite the fact that ttoms is exciting to lots of firms for boring reasons vertical integrated um uh you know uh, from an economic perspective it's compelling um, it's it's a single screen they can look at now instead of having to duct tape a bunch of solutions together. All those things those are great and and I think that's those those are the reasons why TTOMS has legs right now. But I think where we get really excited uh, are uh, in in the opportunity to innovate on the OMS workflow. So the same front end things that we've been innovating on the execution side. Um, so that's not to say that we don't still take a lot of pride in that. But but I think there's a lot of opportunity to help our clients navigate these uncharted waters in terms of uh, in terms of uh, managing this type of data in terms of transformative changes to the from a bank or an fcm perspective transforming how they run their business in terms of market access so you know going from a large tier one bank wanting to offer a regional exchange to their client base taking six months to go from idea to inception to where that client is now able to trade whatever that market happens to be those six months are fraught with risk. Maybe that client goes away. Maybe they don't like trading that market after all. Maybe it's not profitable to now ticking a box on a web app that whether you're you know pick, pick pick one of our top tier one banks, tick a box, click save. your your global client base now has access to that market. and and how does that, and that's a month to month thing. So we're, we're you know as easy as you can modify your Netflix Netflix plan. you can you can modify your global market coverage as as a as a global tier one bank. So seeing how those things transform, um, their business is is what's what has us so excited right now.
0: Just by wonder. So in the just the OEMS space, just in the past year, really, we've seen so much consolidation in the space, and a large piece of that is driven by disruption from the fintech community. Just just people trying to figure out ways to offer a more robust, you know, platform to clients, being able to take advantage, but also not get passed by by some of these fintech companies. Now that you have this in place, how do you vision the that kind of buy build scenario for the company going forward? You say that, you know, you get to do a lot of fun stuff now, you know, with the internal build but do you also envision that this will allow you? does this open the door for acquisitions in the space where, where you feel like, all right, we can't be we can't be an expert in this field. Much like with forensic, how you said that kind of still blows your mind on some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Similarly, do you envision the M and A for you guys picking up in the future, or do you still think it's going to be the next year is going to still be more internal build?
2: Um. So, the I guess short answer is I do I I do anticipate we are at least more inclined now to be willing to take something that's not built in house and integrate it um, because we can, and and we can do it in a way now that doesn't feel like it's bolted on. Um, Although you qualified your question with over the next year and I think um, given the sunset announcement and given the fact that we're really now ramping up large tier one migrations, uh, it it will be a challenge for us to both Complete those migrations by the end of next year, and do all the exciting new things we want to do in parallel. That um, I suspect, if 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 we're looking at acquiring and, and growing via acquisition, my guess is that that would start to ramp up sometime towards the end of next year.
0: Okay, and then you know, just one of the other things that just for this topic here before we sure. switch over um, is as you've gone about this, I think one of the things that I, I I'm always fascinated about is just some of the mistakes that were made and the lessons that can be learned as you went about it. I'm sure there were many mistakes made that some that you might not be willing to publicly throw out there. But what maybe for our audience listening that's interested in technology development and platform development and something that's this large scale what do you kind of look back on as being a mistake that you had to learn from and adjust from that will hopefully teach you as you go forward in future development?
2: Sure. Uh, good question. Another one. Another good question.
0: Come up with. Yeah, exactly.
2: Come on. Um, don't be first is what I'd say is, is um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's given us a probably five year competitive advantage, but it's also tough to be first. Um, I, I, I say that facetiously, but I would say um, despite, despite, uh, html5 maybe being uh the thing that people notice the most as what's different about what we're doing now uh, i think the thing that's really the aspect of this technology building by the way we can geek out as much as you want as as low level as you want on, on the technology serious, so <laughs> um uh i'm happy to, i'm happy to get in the weeds but the thing that's really transforming our business and the way we build a, a global trading platform um, the thing that's most going to transform our partners is is really the back end of uh, that, that makes all of this possible so you can't just stick an html5 front end on a, a platform like what we used to have uh, it, it's it's uh, f- for lots of reasons um, I won't get in, into to the why right now and don't get me wrong making html5 work in this use case also was was tremendously difficult and challenging but I think one of the biggest lessons we had to learn is, just because we can doesn't mean we should mm-hmm. um, and and we've learned that in a few contexts over the years but we now have the ability to you know, if we wanted to deploy a, a version of a new version of our software every hour we could well just because you can doesn't mean you should um, this is an industry that is uh, um, traders who stare at our technology all day every day and and it's 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 a living for them uh, need to know that it's not only going to be there when they need it most, but that the things that they've got muscle memory built up for, the things that they have been looking at and, and interacting with and, and potentially working through very sophisticated workflows for, for years and years and years, isn't going to change out from under them. And, and I think if you look at something like, let's say, Gmail <clears> – <throat> Um I I get excited when Gmail says, hey, there's a new version available. I'm the first one to click on that because why not? It's news usually better. Um and it's email. If if it takes me a few seconds longer for the first week to figure out how to reply all, you know, that that's fine. It's very different. <laughs> I'm not not talking from past experience here. Um but but you get my point. It's very different if if we fundamentally change something that that a global trading firm has been relying on. And so um, we've we've armed ourselves, TT. That is, with the ability to have a single global platform, uh, to be able to push, you know, critical bug fixes intraday if we need to, to be able to withstand an entire data center going down or an entire cloud region going down. Uh, and be able to, you know, essentially in real time reroute around that. All these things were just pipe dreams historically for us and, and for most people in this industry. Um, but we have to be very measured in how we utilize those tools. And I think that's uh, that's a lesson that we learned early on. Um, that just because we have access to these to these capabilities doesn't necessarily mean we should utilize them. That we have to. We have to have a very predictable cadence with how we deliver technology, with when we deliver new f- versions, with how we give the heads up that new versions are changing um, in terms of how we give access to early versions so that, so that firms, whether it's just a fixed connection or whether it's a screen change, uh, that firms can get used to it before it hits production. Um, so all of those things, um, you know, it, it's it's it, it, we're like kids in a candy store because it, we've been managing 40 plus versions of our legacy platform in production. and It's a nightmare. Now we now we're unshackled from having to do all that, but we still have to we still have to tap the brakes every now and then um, because because I think the industry uh, requires it. Yeah,
1: um, I'm just going to cheaply segue into another topic now. Pick up on something you said about not being first. Um, okay. Good lesson, valuable the lesson you guys were first, however, into providing crypto trading tools, professional grade ones to the market. So, uh, what's that all about? I guess give us the whys and the wherefores of why you got involved in that space. And, sure, you know, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, let's see, it's it's fall of 2018, so, um, at the beginning of 2017 is when <clears throat> we the, the calls, and these are friends, these are my former colleagues, uh, existing clients, former clients, uh, just industry folks. Uh, the the calls for us to provide our tool and our our, our various tools uh, to the crypto space, the, the spot, the cash markets um, really started to increase and and that was driven, honestly by a lot of the same reasons that that TT found success in the early 2000s because these electronic markets were proliferating, but there wasn't really a, a tool set out there that allowed, these professional traders who had a certain expectation for what their tooling should do uh, to really engage with confidence in these markets, and a lot of that was driven just by the markets themselves were not built with sort of institutional scale uh, in mind, and so you know a lot of a lot of the early uh, crypto platforms had had issues with latency and with downtime and things like that, but there wasn't really that sophisticated high-end uh, trading execution platform that allowed them to manage large size to trade large positions. Um, to really be as active as they were used to being in their traditional markets, and so um, those those calls for us to to apply our technology and offer access to these spot markets really started to grow throughout throughout the year last year. That's when we uh, hired. Um, uh, Mike Unitich, who, who now runs our crypto strategy. Mike is also my co-founder of Ticket, for what it's worth. He came back because he's a, a trader as well. And he was struggling with the same things that all of our clients were struggling with. He was active on, on the various large crypto markets. Um, and so he saw that need firsthand. And so he came over uh, last fall and we really set out to, as you say, bring a level of institutional polish to at least the, those, those end-user trader workflows to these markets. We, we chose Coinbase and partnered with them first because we felt that they really embraced those same things um, in terms of institutional expectations, in terms of trust, in terms of uptime. Um, although as, as the rest of this year um, uh, uh, transpires, you'll see us start to build out a, a, additional uh, um, liquidity providers and endpoints for the, that crypto strategy.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. And so you said at the sort of beginning of 2017, a lot of your clients were coming to you and saying this. Um, and you guys are based in Chicago. Uh, You've got a sort of deep connection Correct. to all of the firms that are there, the FCMs everywhere else. Um, you know, and it's um, I think Chicago generally has undergone a big transformation in the last few years with the outcry pits going digital. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I think a lot of this institutional crypto activity started in Chicago with your DRW, starting Cumberland, yep, right. and a lot of the firms as well. I mean, as a Chicago-based firm, I guess kind of, why were they the ones to kind of take the bits on this and sort of move forward and, and obviously you guys be the first Chicago-based vendor to
2: provide a- yeah, uh, uh, it? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it Get wouldn't. <laughs> 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 I'd say <it> was. Uh, <laughs> um, Because you wouldn't you wouldn't expect maybe you would but but I, I guess on the surface you wouldn't expect Chicago to be the the yeah. the epicenter of that and and you know whether whether or not it is um, at least in North America. Um, Credit to, to Cumberland and, and the folks there to, to see that this idea had legs early on, you know, earlier than, than most and, and really committing to a strategy around that. Um, and I okay. think like any any center of gravity, uh, you start to wherever one exists, you start to see a cottage industry pop up around it. Um, but but I, I think you're right. And I think it's evidenced by the fact that Coinbase is expanding their their presence in Chicago as well. Um, building a, a a big and growing team there, um, but we're we're certainly not complaining about it.
1: have not see me launching features the right. yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. So I guess just for a final question, um, before we let you go, Rick, uh, what have you guys got coming up in the future? Um, I understand you guys have an announcement coming out shortly about. Trading screen. Do you want to talk a little bit
2: about that? So um, Trade Station. Uh, Trade yep. Trade yep. Stations. So we we have <laughs> so um, almost uh, a good question, a fluff one.
1: So you know, this complete um, like water's wavelength podcast.
2: Well. Right. Yep. <laughs> no. So so we are. Um, we've just announced. Um, I'm trying to think of when this podcast will be it's live. Coming out on Friday. So okay. It's so, Tuesday. Yep. Yeah. So 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 uh, so we've just announced um, a partnership with Trade Station, which we're which we're thrilled about. Uh, we're, Will be providing their uh, their screen for their options on futures uh, mm-hmm. uh, products, and so um, excited about this for lots of reasons. Um, you know, we've our, our uh, uh, relationship with TradeStation has ebbed and flowed over the years, but this is one that um, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're excited about. It I think it's evidence of the fact that our the the seeds we planted on the options front um, over the last twenty four months are really starting to take take hold. Um, that we're trying to grow a, a real sophisticated options community around that. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a partnership that we're really excited about. Well,
1: Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, nice
2: guys.